Welcome to the Truman Charities Podcast, a community of caring. I am Jamie Truman, your host. I'm one of the co-founders of Truman Charities. Our organization has raised over $1 million for several different charities as we share our message of helping others and paying it forward. We plan to continue to educate our audience on the culture of giving. On this podcast, I will interview fellow charity founders, volunteers, sponsors, and other people in the community who will share their stories. You will hear and be inspired by their selflessness and passion for helping others. Welcome to another episode of A Community of Caring. Please rate and review this podcast for a chance to win a $50 Amazon gift card and my favorite daily gratitude journal. All you have to do is screenshot the review before you hit submit and send it to me via Facebook at Truman Charities or Instagram at Jamie underscore Truman Charities. The winner is pulled the first of every month. Now it's time to introduce my guest, a co-founder of So What Else, one of my absolute favorite charities that we have worked with, Mr. Dave Silbert. How are you? Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so Hi, everyone that you were able to come on. I know that you're so busy, but I feel that what you guys do is so important. And I'm so happy that you're able um, to take this time and spread the word about So What Else. That's It's exactly what we need right now. We need all the help we can get just spreading the word and being a part of our community and joining it. Perfect. Now, so Dave, for people that don't know you, the listeners that don't know you and don't know So What Else, could you do me a favor and just let everyone know what is So What Else? What is your mission? Yeah. So, you know, for 10 years, our mission was largely wrapped up in youth development and helping kids and, you know, serving children and getting kids to serve, serving the community and and getting the kids we serve to pay it forward. So we were in 2019, we served about 3,600 children all across the Washington and Baltimore metro area. And then of course the pandemic hit and we really had to, you know, respond on our feet and, you know, take the humanitarian work very seriously because we really had, you know, our first crisis on our hands. So we ended up adapting, and we've done it for a year now, into what we call emergency response and hunger relief. And so currently, as it stands right now, we really have a dual mission. We have two missions. It's to provide emergency hunger relief and support and to now you know, continue to get back to children who I'm almost calling it the forgotten age of children because, I mean, they've poor kids have been in front of their computers for for a year so now before march of 2020 what were you doing in the schools can right. you tell me a little bit mm-hmm. about what the after school program sure was? sure yeah yeah so we are basically an out of school time provider so we thrive you know when school time is out we do after school programs and summer camps and we would go into neighborhood centers community centers schools, trying to think if there's anywhere else we went into. I'm trying to think if it's churches, but it's really our most prevalent place is on model is we go into the neighborhood where the kids live so that it's much easier for them to get to that spot. So there's two things that we, we learned in the youth development field over the course of those 10 years. And that are, those were, there are a lot of places for kids to go in terms of, especially in DC, there's a lot of recreation centers. So we didn't need to build another one. 
but we also learned that kids are traditionally only going to go right where they where they live. They don't, they're not going to be able to co- go across town to get to a recreation center. So our model was let's bring the camp to them. And we did that in over, you know, over 55 different communities with 3,600 different kids. Wow. And so are you doing this in DC and Baltimore or just the DC area? So we have a, you know, you, it'd be fair to call it, you know, a small franchise in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe even not so small. Our, our Baltimore team currently is doing between 35,000 and 40,000 meals a week. Wow. Um, so it's no small feat that we're accomplishing in Baltimore City. And we are also at three sites working with children. Currently, probably about 200, 250 children in Baltimore. Now, the one thing that really drew me to your organization when I first met you guys years ago was that you were having the kids pay it forward as well and teaching them that important value. So can you tell me a little bit about how you were doing that pre-March 2020? And then we'll kind of get into what's going on now. Yeah, that I mean, I think that's the, you know, that is the differentiator with So What Else is we always hope that the kids that we would inspire children to take on a life of philanthropy, much like, you know, you and I have and and our community around us. We thought that was really important so that, you know, you could also defeat the model of this is just a handout. We wanted it to be, you know, hand up and an opportunity. So we've always stressed and we've always put the pay it forward model into all of the work we do. And we get kids to, you know, to take on different, well, to take on volunteer opportunities in the community, oftentimes volunteering with us, um, or we just put into our classes different types of service, such as, you know, they might write, you know, make dog treats for an animal shelter, or they might write cards to veterans and things like that. It's just different things to get them experiences in helping others and empowering them, just realizing, you know, how empowering it is to help someone else. I absolutely love that. And that's what drew me to you guys. It's it's a fantastic model that you have. Now, I want to dive a little bit into what happened during the lockdown, because as I mentioned um, to so many other people too, is, is that no one could have imagined when you thought of so what else, that schools would ever close, right? That just wasn't yeah. something that ever was on anyone's mind. So when that happened, where did you go? How did you pivot? I think it was almost, you know, the level of trauma at that time was so high. It was very much, you know, read the situation and react. And I think that looking back on things, you know, so what else is always, I think we've always done really good work and flown under the radar and and really been active and taken, you know, the mission driven idea of a nonprofit pretty seriously. So all of our team was sort of ready to rock and roll on the front lines. No one wanted to like, you know, we were, one of the leaders at what they call the um, the emergency response team in Montgomery County, the coalition, the name was COAD, but it's active in disaster. Now, of course, everyone thought that being on that was just a, a think tank and nothing would ever come of it. But then a disaster really did hit. And so, you know, our team just separated out the duties and reached out to the communities and the kids that we served and basically said, we're not going to be able to come do classes. So what can we do for you during this time? And it was kind of a uniform response that, you know, we need basic needs, food, water, materials. We're scared. We don't know what's going to happen. We were all scared March of last year, right? We had no idea what was going to happen. 
So that to me, that was almost like, you know, we were driving in an emergency paramedic truck and, you know, putting bandages on. And we had some really amazing team members that made this an extreme success. We had Megan Joe, who still continues to run our emergency operations, has just been a dynamo and dynamite. You know, in the first week of the pandemic, she was putting together, you know, art packages for children. And we started delivering right away. So we just never skipped a beat. And then Christine Garahan, who won our Humanitarian of the Year Award last year, found some partners very in a grassroots fashion in Baltimore and had access to just so much food that our food movement and our hunger relief and emergency response just absolutely spread like wildfire. And what you guys that, were doing was bringing food to the neighborhoods that you guys were serving for after school programs, correct? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And we were bringing food and then we kind of said, well, if we're bringing food, well, we may as well bring PPE. We may as well bring whatever we can, whatever the community. So it became this, yeah, it became this very active movement and it got, you know, I think the brightest spot for me last year was seeing our volunteer numbers, you know, triple the whole community wanted to get involved. And so we, we've always been excited about being a platform for good. We know people are good. We know people want to help. You know that. That's why you do what you do, because it's just engaging right. your community. And a lot of times people just want a platform, a voice, a way to give back. And they just, you know, they need good ways to do that. Now, if somebody listening to this is really moved and wants to volunteer, what type of volunteer opportunities do you have right now? Yeah. So we actually have a very, very active volunteer force and a lot, a lot that can be done. So our headquarters. So I'll give two of our headquarters. So we have our headquarters in Rockville, Maryland, 1201 First Street, and we can, you know, send out, you know, some information to make sure it all matches up. But 1201 First Street in Rockville is our headquarters. And that's open from nine to five, Monday to Friday, and Sundays from 10 to four. So our food pantry, which is a walk-up food pantry, which might have the most hours of any pantry in the county as far as walking up availability is open every day. So you can work at the food pantry. You can help us do organizing the pantry. We have what we call our family deliveries where we deliver to 150 county houses twice a week. And that is largely volunteer run. A lot of people, especially early on in the pandemic, people really wanted to get involved, but they had a little hesitation with being at the pantry because it is you know, a fair amount of people there. So you can do contactless deliveries. And then, you know, now our youth development opportunities are sprouting back up. So we have some great opportunities for high school kids. Yeah, I was going to ask you, because the schools are starting to reopen, what is your plan? Yeah. So interestingly enough, people will often sort of pat us on the back for pivoting to emergency response. But like I said, it was almost like it was very natural in the moment. And it happened, you know, organically. You know, the push to get back to school has been a little bit, to get back to kids has been a little bit more difficult because the landscape is so unclear. You know, what are the rules on masks and outside and, and, you know, and gathering and numbers and things like that. So basically what we've done, and we were able to do this last year in an abbreviated fashion, is basically take a tiered approach to reopening and do predominantly outdoor activities and camps. Whereas we used to do, you know, nine to four inside and outside. Now we're looking at more like nine to one or two 
mostly outside. Trouble is you need an indoor space. You cannot run a camp for five hours without a bathroom. You know, you can't. So what we're running into is the county, the school system is too nervous to open up their school for us to do a camp there. So if anyone has a camp space, let me know. (laughs) <laughs> so we're hoping for hoping for the fall that we'll be able to open back up and have a little bit more of those after school programs that you were running pre COVID. And so when those begin to open, will you be looking for volunteers? And so actually, just you know, to be clear, we actually are open now. We have our our Rockville housing after school camp going on. We have, and I didn't mention if anyone, if any of the listeners are located in D.C., we do have a, a location in. Southwest DC, not too far from the MGM kind of uh, National Harbor area. And the camps there are going and the summer camp will be going. We've actually had a fantastic month in DC, a great grand reopening where we're really getting the kids back. Cause Could you just give me, and I think the listeners would be interested to kind of hear, could you walk me through as a kid's perspective, what an after-school program looks like? Yeah. You want an after-school program or, or a day of summer camp or either you know, one, really? Either one. Yeah. So I think a, a summer camp is a little bit more encompassing and tells the whole So What Else story, basically because it's just more time, you know? So, you know, essentially a child will come and, and register and usually start with food. We're always, you know, careful and sure to nourish our, our kids. We know that it's always been a part of our mission. If you notice, you know, whenever adults get together... There's usually food around. So we thought the same thing was important for children. And you just have to make sure that their bellies are full so that they're, you know, ready to learn. But, you know, a child will show up at camp and we'll give them breakfast. And usually we'll give them kind of a project to work on, something that they're either currently working on or working on throughout the week, whether that's an art project or one of our big idea projects, which is kind of along the lines of what we talked about, about making a difference. And then what we do is we, depending on the number of staff we have that day, usually we have each staff leader leading a workshop throughout the day. And the kids will be broken down into groups and we'll we'll shoot off to the different workshops throughout the day. One of the things that's been important for us, so what else to provide, is basically a holistic experience. Our four core components are health and wellness. And remember, these core components can really encompass a lot of things. Health and wellness is recreation activity. You know, it can be smoothie making. It can be, that's something that you would, you know, that would be probably your spot where you would teach, you know, healthy living, healthy eating. Of course, we we need to get them active for at least 60 minutes of the day. Um, It's usually more. Then we have expressive arts, which can encompass, you know, the whole theater and, you know, and acting classes and, and, um, obviously all things, you know, drawing, painting, so, so forth. Then we move to environmental education and STEM. So, you know, if we have a science teacher, if we have a really good science teacher, we like to deploy them and get the kids. You want to mix in your, you know, quote unquote fun stuff with your learning stuff, because, you know, a lot of times these kids are suffering from learning loss. So if you can find the teachers that can make learning fun, Mm-hmm. That's super important and That's super great. Yeah. Yeah. I did love that when I looked at your programs, you had a little bit of everything. So every child can, they can really express themselves in the area that they're good at. Like you have, you do have 
educational things of STEM. And then you also have cooking and fun activities. I saw one time you had like yeah. a pool instructor come in and then you guys play sports and get, you know, all of, and get that energy out. It's so great. And then you also have, you know, the painting and the drawing and, and the yeah. arts and all that fun stuff. So they can excel in whatever area that, you know, they're great at. And then they can learn a little bit about different areas that they may not know about and they may not, you know, get the opportunity to do in school. Yeah, that's exactly right. You have to reach them where they're at. And by having a diverse set of activities, you're going to find one that, you know, each child likes. And it also, you know, I also realized a long time ago that, you know, I'm good at sports and entrepreneurship and different things like that. But I realized that there's a lot of skills that I don't have. If I can bring in complimentary, you know, staff people, then all of a sudden we have this, you know, circle of expertise and you can really use the skills of, you know, your teachers to share their knowledge with the kids. And that's, that is really the key piece to youth development. It's really that in this, in the society we live in, there's not a, enough of a stress on, you know, strong young adults who could be spending time with children in the out of school time frame. Right. And so that's the so else model is take some really capable young leaders who are passionate about the next generation and have them share their skill set. Cause it's all meant, it's all things in once it's mentoring, it's teaching, it's spending time, all of those things. So. And I think when you have people that are excited about what they do and what they love, they get other people really excited too. So it's fantastic for, for the kids. Now, yeah. what I wanted to touch on a little bit is if people are listening and they absolutely love this and they want to help, how would they be able to donate to you guys? Yeah. So let me talk a little bit about the fundraising aspect and how, you know, how to do that. So our website is very up and running and current. We, our old operations director, you might remember Rachel moved out to Seattle, but she continues to run our website and be our communications director from Seattle. So www.sowhatelse.org, you really can, you know, volunteer there. You can see what's going on. You can see the latest news, you can see the latest opportunities and, you know, you can donate online. Fundraising has been an interesting kind of beast this year because last year, you know, we really grew and we developed the second mission and we became much bigger. We crossed over a million dollars for the first time last year. And then, you know, the greatest challenge is January 1st, it starts all over again. You're like, <gasps> you know, how am I going to repeat that? How am I going to, you know, keep all this funding coming in? And, you know, that was definitely a real challenge here in the first quarter because, you know, like Truman Charities, and we usually have, you know, a Truman Charity party or some kind of event early in first quarter. Right. And there's no events in the first quarter. So, you know, we basically realized that our Rockville Housing Headquarters is really a bustling place. There's 300 clients coming there a day. There's probably an average of 20 volunteers coming a day and probably five to 10 people dropping off stuff. So you're looking at, you know, throughout the course of the day, 400 people there coming a day. Wow. So what I realized is there's no gala, there's, there's no major place to gather for a fundraiser, but we can use the center as a launch pin for tours and welcoming people and, and also to create a wall of fame where, you know, our sponsors can directly impact the work 
by sponsoring so what else, whether they sponsor to sponsor a child or sponsor our youth programming or sponsor our food. So we created the no fundraiser fundraiser. So you don't have to hassle with an event. You don't have to worry about showing up somewhere. And really, you know, the key thing is your, your money is, it's not going to an event expense. It's going directly to our program. So we are looking for, you know, I think we want local, you know, give local, live local. You know, this is definitely a Montgomery County, Rockville based, you know, movement. And it's really dependent upon our community to help us. I always say it, it takes a community to serve the community and it always mirrors out, you know, how many people we have getting involved relates to how many we can help. So I would love to get more companies and sponsors and even if it's individuals, you know, up on that wall of fame as, you know, sponsoring our work. The company was excited about sponsoring and being on your wall of fame. How would they get in touch with you? Hey, my phone is always open. So, you know, I can, um, I'll send over the, you know, some of the sponsorship sheets and the in-kind, the in-kind flyers and stuff like that. And then, you know, my number is 240-602-0486. Tell the world, call me, text me, middle of the night, doesn't matter. Oh, wow. Now, you know, your, your husband says to me, lay off the caffeine, Dave. You're, come on, chill out. <laughs> well, that's how you get so much done. So you're yeah. the perfect person to be running someone else. So I love yeah. Now, I do know that you do have a golf tournament coming up, correct? Yeah. So in the fall, we're going to have a golf tournament. Um, we'll have a golf tournament and our big gala in September, October. We always do our Mama Lucia golf tournament at Norbeck Country Club. And we expect to do that in October. And we expect to bump our gala up actually from November to September, looking at a, um, this might be a secret, I don't know. But um, not anymore. Yeah, not anymore. It's it, We're looking at the sort of a drive-in theater experience with potentially some food trucks oh, and wow. a space. So you fun. Know, yeah, it's, it should be really fun. And it'll be, you know, outside and, and in person, but you'll have the option to kind of stay by your car. You know, it's, I think it's just important to give people the flexibility and the options to be more or less nervous about COVID and such and and so on. Yeah, exactly. You have to accommodate that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm absolutely, I love it because you've been able to still fundraise and come up with creative ways to do that. And so you have your wall of fame for your sponsors, which is great. There's so many people coming in and would love to see what companies are helping you guys and making sure that this runs as smoothly as it does. And then you do have some upcoming events as well with your golf tournament and that really fun gala. Uh, I don't know who came up with that idea, but I'm loving that. I know. And then- Not me. (laughs) And then you also have all these opportunities for people to volunteer as well. So there's so many different ways that someone can participate and so what else and help in whichever way that they are able to. And I love that. So before we kind of close out here, I want you to be able to tell all the listeners again, can you let them know your website again? And then any media platforms um, for anyone to follow you. Yeah. So we're at www.sowhatelse.org. And, you know, our tagline has always been, so what else can we do to help? And that's kind of our, our spirit and our movement. And, you know, it is a movement designed to be a snowball rolling down the hill and pick you guys up. We want you guys to join this movement 
and be a part of it. And we specifically create opportunities for our community to, to get involved. So, and my email is dsilbert at sowhatelse.org. And yeah, really, you know. These social media platforms? Yeah, we're on, I'm not a social media expert, but we are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, what else is there? We're not on TikTok yet. Oh, we have a, a YouTube. We do have a YouTube learning channel. If um, Oh, yes. Yeah. And if you do go onto your YouTube, which is great, you do have all of, you've been on so many news networks too. There's all those great segments. There's a great amount of videos on there for people to really learn in depth about mm. what you're doing and get to meet your volunteers because they interview a lot of your volunteers on there. So I think that's a great place for people to, to look on and find out more. Yeah. And I think, our, I think the movie, we had a, you know, our filmmaker, Mark Lesher Productions has done a film on us a few times, three or four films. Last year's was probably the best one. It was an 18 minute, I guess not so short, but it, you know, it captured our pivot in the pandemic and it's on YouTube and yeah, a lot of different stuff's on YouTube. I so do. I watched it and I absolutely loved it. And it's on definitely it's on your YouTube and it is on the, I believe, homepage of your website as well. So it's something for people to check out and that it'll kind of summarize how you guys pivoted, the emergency response that you guys have been doing. And then also that, you know, not forgetting about these kids, you're making sure that you're opening back up as soon as you're able to. And so you're having these summer camps now and then hopefully fingers crossed for everybody that uh, up and running like usual come fall. So thank you so much, Dave. And um, I hope that everybody jumps on to sowhatelse.org and sees what you guys are up to and hopefully from a lot of different people on how they can help. So thank you so much. I would like to say thank you to, you know, you and, and charity and Truman charity is that, and really the whole community of Truman charities who has, not only supported so what else for so long, but it's it's so important what your guys' mission does because you know nonprofits work really hard. They really to find a partner like you guys that will that will support you know the work that we're doing is so important. So thank you to the community out there. Many of you guys are, are involved already, and we really appreciate it and love you guys. So thank oh, you. Me too. All right. <laughs> bye. Thanks. Bye. See ya. If you would like to learn more about our organization, please follow us on Facebook at Truman Charities or Instagram at Jamie underscore Truman Charities or check out our website, trumancharities.com. I hope you enjoyed listening and hearing stories of selflessness and caring. Thank you so much. And I will see you next time.